So good morning, my name's Matt, I'm part of the leadership team here, I'm going to be preaching this morning. I'll tell you a little bit more about what I do, what my wife does on the leadership team a bit later on. But um, for me, listening to music like that, just, I, I love it. I love listening to good quality music, a bit of blues guitar, a bit of Hammond organ there. It makes me feel relaxed, it makes me feel inspired, and I can just sit back and enjoy that. Um, so apologies if bits of the preacher lacking because I was listening to that music. But um, for me, it lifts my spirits. Music helps me. Um, my father-in-law, who does visit from time to time, so I'll be careful what I say, he's an excellent blues guitarist. Um, he's been playing you know, since the 60s on his guitar. Um, we took him to the um, Jam House. Who's been to the Jam House here in Birmingham? It's an excellent place to go see. We went to see the House Blues Band, and we took my father-in-law, I think it was for his birthday, um, my wife and I and his wife all went along, and as we sat there, we'd had a really nice three-course meal, the band started up, the blues guitar started wailing, and my mother-in-law reached inside a handbag, pulled out a pair of earplugs, inserted them into her ears, and just sat there, brilliant. <laughs> like this, not let's say, I know it's not everyone's cup of tea. But I would say for most people, there is some music that probably just helps you to kind of lift your spirit and kind of relax a little bit. So I know it's not for everyone, but music is a creative gift from God. And like any gift from God, we can use it to bless people, to build ourselves up, and to help us draw closer to God if used in the way intended. So that was my little introduction there. Um, my wife and I, in terms of the leadership team here at Real Life Church, our particular responsibility is for the worship team. So... Um, for the, the bands you see, the rehearsals, we oversee the technical team. Um, and we do that because we have a passion, we love to see kind of this team grow, but more than that, we love to see the church released in worship. We love to see people expressing their adoration of God, we like to see people just lost in the presence of God, telling him how amazing he is, receiving from God, having those kind of conversations. That's our passion, and the more people we see worshipping, kind of just the more our hearts explode and the more we want to see even more people um, worshipping in that way. So that's kind of what we do, what we, why we do what we do. We feel called to do that and we really enjoy doing that, which is brilliant. And often that's the case, isn't it, when God calls us to do something. Um, I will put a little plug in before I kind of crack on with today's preach, which is if, if you're a worshipper of Jesus and you know and love him and you're part of real life church, do talk to us, okay? We oversee kind of the band worship, the prayer meeting worship, the technical team, the, the PA stuff, the AV, the visuals, do talk to us. It's not like an elite group. Um, we try and find out as much as we can about people as they join Real Life Church, what their gifts are, and as a leadership team, we try and find different ways to help people to serve. So this is something we, we want people, we need people to serve in, particularly with the PA team. We would love to see in the autumn term someone operating the PA, someone else operating the words, just to take some pressure off some of the guys. We'd love to have some more guitarists, some more keyboard players with us. Um, just to serve the church and serve the church really well. So please do talk to us if that's something that interests you. It's often a process. It's not always a you know, straightaway thing, but we like to grow people. We like to disciple people. We like to train people. So do talk to us, please. Um, my wife's over there smiling at me. Um, so do talk to one, which is probably less scary than I am. Um, so that's who we are. That's what we do. Um, but this morning... Um, I got kind of free reign of what we talk about. It is Father's Day today. I said, right, who's a man in the Bible that inspires me? And sorry if it's a bit of a cliche, but I've decided to focus upon David. 
So we're going to look at three aspects of King David today. We're going to look at David the warrior, David the musician, and David the man of God. They're in that order purely because that's the way I'm going to talk about them. They're not in order of importance. That's just what we're going to talk about. So I'm going to read in a moment something from Samuel. Um, This point is kind of quite early when we start hearing about David in the Old Testament. So this is the point where um, Saul was king, um, but God had asked Saul to go to Amalek and to settle accounts with their opposition of Israel. So they'd tried to stop the people leaving Egypt. They'd not been very nice to God's people, killed lots of people, got in their way, tried to obstruct God and his people. So God said to Saul, I want you to take your army, I want you to go to that city, and I want you to settle accounts for me. And I basically want you to obliterate this nation. They have sinned against me, I want you to obliterate them. So Saul goes off with his army, and... He doesn't quite do what God asked him to do. So God asked him to basically obliterate them and settle accounts for him with this this nation. But Saul went along and saw the wealth of this nation. He saw their cattle, their gold, their houses, their land. And he decided for himself, actually, well, I'll get rid of that because I don't care about that stuff over there. But I'm going to keep all of this. I'm going to keep the cattle. I'm going to keep... And the gold, I'm going to keep the jewels, and I'm going to share that between me and my leaders and my armies, and we're going to keep all that stuff. Well, that wasn't what God had asked him to do. God had specifically said, I want you to go and settle accounts for me. And this wasn't really settling accounts, was it? So Saul made his own decision, and it's actually recorded, and it says this. This is what God said of Saul. I'm sorry that I ever made Saul king. For he has not been loyal to me and has refused to obey my commands. And I thought, wow, I wouldn't want anyone to talk about me like that, let alone God talking about me like that. It's not a way I'd want to be remembered. Um, So unfortunately, Saul's time didn't end well. Now, following this, and this will link into David, I promise, um, Saul was basically very troubled, tormented, um, and he wasn't having a good time. And when he was in one of these places, and he was being really tormented, really unsettled, um, one of his servants spoke up, and his servant said, Look, Saul, I can see how troubled you are. What I think we should do is I think we should get someone to come and play the harp for you. And I think we should get someone to come and play the harp so beautifully, listen to that soothing music, that your soul will kind of be settled and things will be well again. And he said, right, where can I get someone like this from? So this servant pipes up. If we go to the reading for this morning, please. And this is what the servant said. One of Jesse's sons from Bethlehem is a talented harp player. Not only that, he is a brave warrior, a man of war, and has good judgment. He is also a fine-looking young man, and the Lord is with him. And this is the passage we're going to look at today. That is a description of a man of God. Okay, And what got me when I started reading this, and you know, we can't be exactly sure with everything that was going on. We know by this point David had been anointed, that he was going to become the king. That bit had happened. But at this point, as far as we can make out, David was kind of still at home, being a shepherd. And the kingdom where Saul was was kind of over here. Yet this was a servant of Saul, knew the reputation of David. Okay, and I thought this is a little bit like, I'm a school teacher, I work in a school in Brown Hills. It's a little bit like me um, working away in Brown Hills quite happily, and perhaps over here in Litchfield, a, teach, a head teacher saying, right, I really need a maths teacher, where am I going to find a maths teacher from? And this, you know, 
um, someone at that school kind of says, oh, I know a maths teacher. I've heard of this guy over in Brown Hills. I've heard he's a very handsome man. Um, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Start again. A very handsome man. Um, a talented maths teacher. He inspires students. Um, I think you should give him the job. And the head teacher would say to this man, like they do, oh, brilliant, when did you meet this man? Oh, I've never met him. I've just heard about him. I've heard his reputation. I've heard that he's good at what he does, but I've never actually met him. And then the head teacher's probably going to say, are you sure? Is it just word of mouth? Are you sure about this? And this is kind of, for me, what this servant was saying. He said, actually, I've heard there's this man. He's the son of Jesse, and he's a talented heart player. Not only that, he's a brave warrior, a man of war, good judgment, a fine-looking young man, and the Lord is with him. Okay, so his reputation, I think, had gone afar, and the question for me was, why? Why was he known like this? And that's kind of what I want to start to look at today. So, if, if, you, if you are feeling troubled today, if you are feeling tormented, I suggest you don't ask me to play the guitar for you. Um, I suggest we find someone and we send for them and we'll get someone to play the guitar to to your spirits today. But in this case, they had an excellent candidate. They had David. So David was sent for and David came and kind of worked in the kingdom and that's where the next bit of his journey started. Okay, we go to the next slide. Now, just to make sure as we look at this passage... Um, Obviously, we're going to look at David this morning, and David's a man. It is Father's Day today, hence I've kind of settled on looking at man. But just like Jesus, there are things we can learn for all of us, be us men, women, boys, girls, whatever, from their story, from um, what they encountered in their lives. And it's really important, I want to say this at the very outset, that God gave us David to point us towards Jesus. So everything that David did inspires us kind of a picture of the perfect man that was going to come. When David um, killed Goliath, he killed the giant. That was just a picture of the giant that Jesus was going to overcome. Okay? So everything we looked at, look at today in David okay, is a picture of Jesus. David was man. He was not perfect. He did sin. He made mistakes. Um, you know, he gave in to temptation, didn't he? He's a picture of what was to come, because what was to come was Jesus. Jesus won the ultimate battle. He slayed the biggest giant there could be. He defeated Satan on the cross. Um, He overcame temptation. He was absolutely perfect. So what I'll try to do each time we look at an aspect of David is kind of help us to see how that points us towards Jesus. Okay, so we'll go for the first one then, David the warrior. Mark Driscoll. Someone we've listened to a few preachers from, but this is just a little quote from him. He described David as being tough and tender. So first of all, we're going to look at David the warrior. Okay, He was described as a brave warrior, a man of war, and a man with good judgment. We know David was tough. I don't think anyone's going to deny that David was a strong man. He faced Goliath as a young lad. He stood up. He, was kind of, he couldn't carry the armor, could he? So he took all the armor off and he went out there with his sling and his stones and he defeated the giant. Um, and time and time again, I'm not going to go through all of it because it takes days to read, to be honest, and really take in. But there were many, many battles. And every battle that David went into, particularly when he was king and he led the armies into battle... Um, he gave glory to God and he showed his dependence on God. And the people used to sing songs. They used to sing, I won't sing this morning. I'd say there's no gimmicks this morning. I've got no props. I feel a little bit empty, but we'll see what happens. Um, uh, They used to sing songs. And the song would go along the lines of, Saul, who killed thousands. Here comes David, who killed tens of thousands. 
And that's kind of the songs the people would sing, which probably didn't help David's relationship with Saul either, did it? Um, you know, Saul, he killed 1,000 men. You killed 10,000 men. So David was a strong man. He was a warrior. He was a leader. He was a king. Okay? And God blessed his faithfulness. So on most occasions, God, uh, David trusted in God. Um, he followed God's command, and he did what God told him to. And when he was successful at the end of it, he stopped and he gave praise and thanks to God um, for being with him and fighting with him. Here's an example um, from Samuel. Um, One day, news came to David that the Philistines were at Keilah, stealing grain from the threshing floors. David asked the Lord, should I go and attack them? Yes, go and save Keilah, the Lord told him. But David's men said, we're afraid, even here in Judah. We certainly don't want to go to Keilah to fight the whole Philistine army. So David asked the Lord again, and again the Lord replied, Go down to Keilah, for I will help you conquer the Philistines. So David and his men went to Keilah. They slaughtered the Philistines, took all their livestock, and rescued the people of Keilah. Okay, so another example where David felt led. He went to the Lord and said, Is this what you want me to do? God said, Yes. So David went in the strength of God, and he was victorious. So for us, we're probably not going to get called into battle, are we, against thousands of men, for most of us. So I was thinking, okay, what battles are we going to face? What confrontations are we going to face and what can we learn from David? I would imagine everyone in here at some point in their lives already and in the future is going to face confrontation. We're going to face disagreement. Who's married in this room? Okay? There's one. Who's a parent in this room? Who's got a mum or dad in this room? Who's got neighbours? Who's got neighbours with big trees? You know, we're, we're going to face, we're going to face difficult situations. I think that was just about everyone that put their hand up at some point there. We're all in some sort of relationship. We work for different businesses. We have jobs where we have probably people managing over us, people that we have to manage. Um, Some people might actually be under physical attack. I don't know your exact situations of every single person, but for some people there might be a physical element to this. Um, We've been standing, haven't we, as well, with Josh and Lana and praying for their visa to come through. That's another battle that we've, we've sort of stood beside them with God and we're fighting that battle with them. Okay? So when David faced this kind of real and large danger, what did he do? Well, he was honest, wasn't he? He went to God and said to God, is this a battle you want me to fight? So the first thing I noted there was he didn't just say, there's a situation, off I go. I could have had a sword at this point, couldn't I? Um, Imagine the sword. And he went and fought that battle. No, he paused and said to God, is this the battle you want me to fight now? So I thought, actually, that's really useful for us. So when we face a confrontation like this, um, whatever it might be in your life, you know, going to God and just saying, is this the battle you want me to fight? Which is a really dangerous question, isn't it? Because what if God says yes? Okay? If God says yes, we go. That's kind of got to be the deal, isn't it? So if you're going to be prepared to ask God that question, we have to be prepared to do what God says, to go with him and to fight with him. But we're not on our own, are we? Because when we go to fight that battle, um, Jesus is with us every step of the way because he's already had that ultimate um, victory. And I think as well, it's making sure we fight the real battle. Okay? And I was trying to think about this from from a school perspective. Um, there's a guy called Bill Rogers, who's a behavior management expert. 
um, teachers in the room have possibly heard of him along the way, watched his videos, an Australian guy, um, draws pictures all throughout. It's very funny, but he's very good at what he does. And kind of the example is this kind of thing. So I might be walking down the corridor at school. I, I work in a school. We have some interesting pupils, like every school. And I might walk up, and I might be like, John, I need to have a word. Can you come over here and have a word with me, please? And then I'll walk away. And I'll stand over here. I'll say, thank you, John. And I'll walk away over here. Now, as I do that, John, being the kind of lad he is, sorry, John, is going to be huffing and puffing. Oh! Why? That's the response I'll always get. I mean, it's worthy. Why? Why do I have to? Oh, I'm here being all tough with my mate. Why do I have to come with you? But I've walked away and I've stood over here. I know I want to have a conversation with John. I know that John's going to huff and puff, but I know eventually that John's going to come and have a conversation with me. I also know if John walks off, eventually I will catch up with him. I don't need to chase John around the school while he's huffing and puffing and swearing at me and doing whatever else he wants to do, because I know, as a member of staff in this school, I'll catch up with him. I will catch up with him. If he chooses not to follow me now, the worst thing I could do is walk up to him and go, John, I have said, stand over there in that corner and come and talk to me. (laughs) Now, I've never physically intimidated John before. That was quite fun. (laughs) Um, But I'm not fighting the real battle. The huffing, the puffing. (laughs) Sorry, John. Um, just giving John a gift there if you listen to this um, online Um, yeah that's not the battle I need to talk to John my purpose in this confrontation is I need to have a conversation with John maybe I didn't handle it the best by saying in the middle of a corridor in front of all his friends I need to have a word with him but the worst thing I can do is when he huffs and puffs under his breath he says sorry what did you say Because I'm creating a new battle. I'm creating a battle I don't need to fight. The issue is I need a conversation with John. The issue isn't the huffing and the puffing and the sweat. I can deal with that later. I'm fairly tough. I can deal with that later. Um, But I'm dealing with the key issue. So if he chooses to walk off, I'll pause. I'm not going to chase him. But if it's a battle I need to fight, I will fight it later at the right time, at the appropriate time. I'll get him away from his friends. I'll catch him in a classroom where it's a lot quieter, where I can just get him outside. Say, John, I just need to have a word with you. And I know he'll come with me in that situation because we're out of the, the kind of the big thing. So I think let's ask God if it's a battle we need to fight, if we should fight it. And let's also be aware of fighting the real battle, the actual battle, and not kind of the secondary battle, the secondary things. They're just after effects. What was the, what was the initial thing we need to look at? And Jesus set us the same example, didn't he? So just before Jesus was arrested, what did he do? He prayed to his father. So this is before he was arrested, before he was crucified. He took himself away and he prayed, take this cup of suffering away from me. If this is your will, it will be done. So he was saying to God, obviously I'd rather not go through this, but if it's your will, that is what I'm going to do. He goes back. If this is your will, it's what I will do, but would you take this cup of suffering away from me? So he, he kind of went to God, and God said, yes, this is what you need to do. So he went to the cross, and I'm very glad he did. Because if he didn't, didn't follow what God wanted him to do, we wouldn't be here today, would we, worshipping in this church? So I think it's okay to go to God and to say, is this the battle you want me to fight? I pray you'd take this away from me, but if you want me to fight this battle, I will fight it, and I will fight it for you and with you. 
Um, I thought at this point I'd just mention the song we sang at the start, because there was an interesting debate, um, those of us that went to Catalyst, that's the word I'm looking for, and it was this line in the song, the line of Judah fighting our battles. And it was really interesting, because it, it caused a lot of debate around the dinner tables around the campsite, and this concept of, um, you're the lion, you're the lion of Judah, fighting our battles, Okay, and from what I gathered from some of these conversations, and forgive me if I've ignored your argument and your debate, because it was probably very good, I think I've just forgotten, um, some people seem to be saying, well, actually, Jesus already won the ultimate battle, hasn't he? He's already defeated Satan. That is his victory. That's not a battle that he keeps on fighting and fighting, because that battle is fought, that battle is won. That song isn't saying anything about the battle, if you know what I mean, but he's not talking about defeating Satan, he's talking about other battles. So when we sing that line, it's not about our salvation. Our salvation is concrete. Our salvation is done. That battle is won. Satan has been defeated. So it's, it's not that battle. And then I think some other people are sort of saying, well, it kind of feels like a bit like if God's fighting all our battles, do we have to do anything? Can we just sit back and do nothing while God fights our battles? And again, I don't think God works like that in all situations. He will in some. He will come in and break in miraculously and change things. But it wasn't until I was walking again, sorry to keep talking about school, um, it takes up a large part of my life, uh, as I was walking up the corridor at school and I was having a particularly tough day, lots of you know, difficult conversations with students and teachers and lots of things going on and I felt really drained and I felt, I don't know how I'm going to get through today. I just don't know physically, emotionally how I'm going to get through this day at school today. I was exhausted, I'd given everything and I couldn't do it on my own. And then before I knew it, I was walking around the corridors just singing, Our God is a lion, lion of Judah, fighting our battles. And it just gave me such strength to walk around. Sorry, I said I wasn't going to sing. Um, just that strength. Actually, I was saying to God, you're my lion. You're my rock. I know you are fighting my battles with me. You're fighting some of my battles for me. And you're with me in all of this. And just as I walked around, it was kind of my war song for the day. It was my song. It's like, you're fighting our battles. And I just felt like I was going into war with God. Well, not really war, but you know what I mean. Um, some of them felt like that. Um, but I was going into those battles with God. And actually, that changed my take on that song a little bit. And I thought, actually, you know, as I walk into difficult situations, I'm walking into them with God. Um, he fights battles with me. He fights battles for me. Um, and he is my rock, he is my salvation, he is, he is just with me in everything. So just changed my take on the song a little bit. We're happy to talk about it more. We talked about getting rid of that, that line, but actually, no, it's, it's there for a reason. It's scriptural, it's from scripture, it's a good line, and, and God is with us in these difficult times. Okay, so David fought battles. It's okay for us to fight battles, but let's check if they're the right battles, and let's check if we're fighting the right things. The next two are slightly shorter we move on to the next one. So David the musician. Okay, raise your hand if you're a musician. Phil, look around quick. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> that's a good way to recruit, wasn't it? Um, and I'm just going to pause for a minute and particularly talk to the men. I, I don't mean to be sexist. I don't mean to be rude. Um, but just, I think particularly for some men, not all men. I'm, I'm a crier, sorry. Um, but is it okay to cry? Is it okay to write poetry? Is it to express how we're really feeling, the highs and the lows? Is it okay to be honest? Okay. Here was David. David was tough. Does anyone dispute with me that David was tough? Okay. But David also gave us the book of the Psalms. 
David was a man who celebrated the highs, the joy, the, you know, the, the big times, the top times. But he also told us how he was feeling in the dark times, the troubled times, the sad times, the lonely times. And if you don't believe me, just read the book of Psalms. I'm sure you've all read bits of it along the way. You know, the Lord's my shepherd. That is, that's kind of one of those psalms, isn't it? One of those poems, one of those songs from David where he's expressing his heart to God. And he shared that with other people. We've got that to read. And how many people has that inspired to worship over the years? So David was a man who was strong, he was tough, and he points towards the ultimate Jesus, who was even stronger and even tougher. But he was also in touch with his kind of emotional side. And I think for all of us, men and women, something we can learn. I, I've always been kind of okay expressing my emotions. I cried, sorry Phil, all the way through my wedding speech. <laughs> um, literally, I got up, started my speech, <laughs> and just, just kind of blubbered out. Something, I don't even know what I said, to be honest. Um, no. um, but I love my wife, and hopefully she knows that. Um, one couple of churches ago, I actually had to pray to God and say, every time I, I bring a prophecy, I cry. I, it was a period where God kind of, when I hear from God, he shows me his heart for people, and I just used to get crippled by it. Because I used to see his heart for people. I'm even going a little bit now. Um, and it would just make me cry, and I'd be like sharing a prophetic word, and I, would, I still do it a little bit now, but literally, like my wedding speech, I just struggle to get words out. I said to God, this is no good. It's, it's no good showing me heart for people, and I'm just a blubbering wreck, and I can't communicate that with anyone. So I prayed, and actually I found that it changed like that, and actually I was able to bring what God was saying to me without bursting into tears every time, which was really useful. So God... <laughs> God is really helpful in that situation, so thank you, Lord, for helping me through that. Um, I'm actually leaving my job this summer, and I'll probably cry all through that speech as well, but we'll see how that goes. Um, where was I? So, so yeah, so David, um, a couple of quotes from David. Death wrapped its ropes around me. The terrors of the grave overtook me. I saw only trouble and sorrow. He said, I weep with sorrow. Encourage me by your word, Lord. So he you know, he, he expressed how he was feeling, and he wasn't afraid to do that. He was dis- described as a warrior, but he was also described as the sweet psalmist of Israel. That's not quite so tough, is it? It's not quite so macho, okay? The man who killed 10,000 men was the sweet psalmist of Israel, yeah? Yeah, I don't respect David any less for it. I don't think anyone would respect David any less for it, but he held these two things together, um, And I don't think we have to sit in one camp. I think it's about the whole, isn't it? It's having a bit of both in our lives. And it's the same with Jesus. Who's stronger than Jesus? No one. I'll get that in quick before anyone else jumps in. Nobody is stronger than Jesus. He showed perfect strength, perfect power, but he also showed ultimate love and compassion when he got alongside people. He got alongside the sick, the needy, the people that needed him. He came for us, didn't he, to mend broken hearts, um, to give us freedom. Okay, so Jesus, David's a picture of what was to come in Jesus, this, this man who was perfect strength, the rage in the temple, the anger when people defile in the place of worship, coupled with the man who'd come alongside people and love them and pray for them and spend time with them. Okay, so I'd encourage you for, in terms of this section to be honest. And I, and I do say that to men in particular because I know some of the men in here, but it, it will apply to women as well. So I don't want to 
rule anyone out in that. But let's be honest about how we're feeling. And there's some people in this church that are brilliant at that. Absolutely brilliant, I know that. Um, We've got people who have had songs inspired by God that are willing to share them and things like that. So I know we've got some really creative people in this church. So I just want to encourage you to keep being creative, keep being honest, keep being open um, through conversations. If you write poetry, I want you to write more poetry and I want you to express and share that poetry. Find a way. Talk to people in the church of how we can share it. If it's music, talk to us. But you know, share your music in different settings. If you're singing songs about God at home, get out on the streets and sing songs about God. If it's painting, if it's creative arts like that, get out there and, um, you know, let people see what you're doing. Let's not keep these things hidden. I know there's so many talents in this room right now, and I thank you to everyone that is honouring God by using those talents, but I just encourage you to, to get them out there and show us and help other people to worship. Again, it's It's a gift from God, so let's use it and let's inspire other people to worship through it. Um, And kind of, just to finish that section off, really, just encourage you to be honest and to not lock things away. From experience, and this is, I'm talking about experience here, not from what I read in this passage, but I kind of think if we lock away our emotions and we lock away how we're really feeling, I kind of see one of two things is going to happen. We're going to become so emotionally dead and lock everything away that our hearts become so hard, it's then really hard to crack that open. God will help us to do it, but it's really hard to crack that open and to be expressive again. So I'd encourage you, particularly young men and women of this church, not to lock away your emotions. Because the more you lock them away and the more you suppress them, you're kind of building a barrier. And God will release that barrier. God will give you freedom. And God will help us to do that. And I've seen that happen many times. But I just encourage you to be open and not get to that place. And with me, I'm kind of not like that. I can be quite expressive, but I do lock things away. And I think the other thing that can happen when we do lock away our emotions and our feelings is that one day something really, really insignificant happens and we just go, boom! Okay, and we just explode all over the place. Okay? So I've got permission to say this. Before anyone gets scared, I'm going to be in trouble when I get home. Phil is a beautiful, creative lady. Absolutely beautiful. And her creations, the things she makes, are absolutely wonderful. But the crafter math, if you've ever come across that word, the crafter math of what she does around the house is immense. Okay, Just because as, as she creates, it creates extra things around it. So there'll be, you know, a beautiful bit of wooden art over here being propped up and painted. There'll be things on the floor over here. Um, there'll be something hanging on this wall. I'll go into the bedroom. Oh, there's something there as well. Okay. Well, I'm thinking a bit free to... Oh, there's something. And just stuff a bit. But, you know, Phil works from home. It's going to happen. Okay. And what I used to do was just be like, okay, I'm okay. Oh, I can't go in there. Okay. I'm going to work. I can't. Okay. And I just used to kind of lock it all away. Not, I don't know why I did it, to be honest. Um, I'm not scared of you, honey, I promise. But kind of lock things away. And then it gets to the point, doesn't it? Right, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna sit down here and play the piano for a bit. Here I go. And there's like I don't know, a paintbrush on the piano. What is that paintbrush doing on the piano? And it, it just explodes, doesn't it? Over the most insignificant of things. But had I talked to Phil probably three months earlier and just said, look, honey, sweetness. 
is there a way that we can kind of manage this so that we have areas of the house where we keep the craft the math? I like that word. Um, where we keep, you know, the, the projects, the creativity, because I don't want to suppress that, but could we also have a space where perhaps we don't? And then Phil would come back to me and say, brilliant, yes, yeah, a really good idea. When on earth are you going to get all your guitars and all your amplifiers and all your musical equipment out of my space? So, and I'm like, okay, fine. And, and eventually we have a really adult conversation about it. Yeah, and we express how we're feeling with each other. And as a result, we find a system that works. And when it doesn't work, we talk about it. We express that to each other and we say, let's help each other out. Okay? Let's help each other out and communicate on this. So I just encourage you in all your situations to be honest, to be open, to share emotions, not being afraid of it. And I've always found when I do share my emotions, um, it really helps me. It's a release. It's the start of the process. It allows God in to come and minister to me and my selfishness and, and the things I need to deal with. But it's not until I start expressing how I feel about something that God's able to break in and kind of work with me on those things. Is that okay, honey? Brilliant. We're okay. <laughs> it's Father's Day. <laughs> uh, okay, so this is the last bit then. So David, the man of God. I want to finish here um, before we go back into our time of worship. Um, okay. If I say these phrases, who am I talking about? Man of Steel. Okay, Superman. The Cape Crusader. Okay, a little bit harder. Man Without Fear. Uh, John Dean. John Dean would be good. Series on Netflix. Pardon? Daredevil. Okay, man without fear, daredevil. So these are all kind of taglines that we uh, associate with different kind of superheroes. And here's the ultimate tagline, I think, man of God. Wouldn't that be awesome? It talks about David in the Bible. It says David. It doesn't just say David did this. David, man of God. And and time and time again, it puts that with him. And every time it talks about him, it says, David, man of God, went into battle. David, man of God, celebrated in the streets. David, man of God, did this, he did that. And that's how it talks about him. It talk, God says he was a man after my own heart. And I would love to live my life in a way that when people talk about me, think about me, they say, Matthew, man of God, was doing this. That's how I'd love to be known. That's absolutely how I love to be known. And how do we get there? How do we show that? Well, I think it's about how we live our lives. We're, we're strong when we need to be. We're tough when we need to be. And we fight the battles when we need to. But we also step away from battles when they don't need to be fought. So we don't fight that battle for the sake of it. I pause, I reflect. Is that a battle to fight? Yes, it is. Boom, I'm there. No, it's not. I'm going to walk away. That's someone else. It's not my job at this time to fight that battle. I'm going to express my emotions. I'm going to be honest. And I turn up at Musos on a Monday night and I was irrationally angry. I don't know why. Every little thing just wound me up and I wanted to shout at people. And I sat down at that dinner table before Musos on a Monday night and I just said, look guys, just heads up. (laughs) I'm I'm really irrational today. (laughs) And I'm really angry and I don't know why. Um, But they made a joke about it and I was fine, mostly. Um, So let's be open, let's be honest with each other. When someone says, how's your day going? If you've got the time, pause, stop, say, it's rubbish. It's rubbish. I need help, I need prayer. I just need a conversation. I want to get something off my chest. Let's be honest with each other. 
And then lastly, let's, let's, let's kind of seek, not seek to be known like this, but let's seek to be really close with God. Let's seek to live our lives so closely with God that people see in us something of him. They see something of his character, his power, his wisdom, his love in us. Okay, so as we, as we worship, as we worship publicly, let's not be afraid to express our own relationship with God. Parents, I'd ask you to let your children see you worship. I think that's really important. I think as parents, as we worship, our children see something of our relationship with God, which they will mirror, but then they will learn, and they will take it for themselves, hopefully one day, and they will give their lives to Christ. So let's be open. And if it's, if it's a tough time, let them see it, and let, explain to them how we're doing in that. Um, men and women in general, let other people see you worship. If you've got a relationship with God, let other people in. Let other people see how you relate to God and how you love God. Again, highs and lows. It's not always going to be smiles and happiness, but let them in and let them see it. Um, and young men and women of the church, same thing. Just let people in. Let people see you on your journey. Let people help you. Let people disciple you. Um, let people walk with you. And, and as a church, let's just keep pressing in and pressing in and cultivating our relationship with God. So the things that occurred to me as I was thinking through this, reading the Bible. We need to be spending time reading the Bible, finding out about God, finding out what it is to be a man of God like David. Spend time in personal worship, at home, in the car, in the shower, whatever works for you. Make the most of corporate worship when we come together and worship him together. Get to life group. Yeah? Get to life group. Fellowship with other Christians. Talk to other Christians about life. Be honest. Be open. Share things with them. Get to prayer meetings where we fight battles for the church, where we pray for things as a church we're hitting together. Okay? So we're going to kind of, we're going to land there. We're going to spend some time with Jesus as we worship together. Um, and just remember that this is part of our relationship building with God. Worship is about us telling God how amazing he is, but it's also about a two-way conversation where God speaks back and he grows us and he teaches us and he helps us. And as we, as we go about our weeks ahead, band, if you want to start coming up, I'll join you at some point. Um, just think about, are these battles... God is calling me to. Is this the right battle to fight? Do I need to walk away or do I need to stand strong? Let's think about, am I someone who easily expresses emotion or do I need to pray to God, spend time with God and say, actually, help me, teach me, teach me to be a bit more open about how I'm feeling and how I'm doing in life. And thirdly, let's just spend as much time with God as we possibly can and let's trust in him for everything. So if I can pray, can I get you to stand? Yeah, Lord, I just pray that you would help us to be more like Jesus. We see in David character, we see strength, we say, see creativity. Lord, I ask that you teach us to be more like, more like David, but ultimately more like Jesus. I pray you'd teach us to stand strong, how to stand strong, when to stand strong. I pray if... Yeah, just help us, Lord, to express 
our creativity in different ways. Lord, help us to find ways as a church of honouring those creative people we have and finding um, ways in which they can express themselves and help other people to worship you. And ultimately, Lord, I just pray for everyone here this morning that we would grow closer to Jesus. And as we grow closer to him, we would reflect his, his glory, his power, and his love more and more in this world, Lord, because this world needs you.